Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, good morning, Vietnam. There, I said Again, we're yeah. broadcasting. I know. I knew you were going there. I told you <laughs> yesterday. I can, I can read your mind, dude. We've been together so long. We're uh, broadcasting from Ice Station Sean Hannity in Vietnam hey. using the Hannity Studio. We got a bunch of special guests here. Uh, we got Linda from the Sean Hannity Show. Most of you are familiar with him. My good buddy B- Blair as well. So this is going to be like an ensemble show. I had to start up. Before I got going on the show, I had to start up a timer because I'm so used to using our own studio with that little timer in the corner of our edition yeah. that I'm like, how the heck am I going to keep my time straight? So I had to start a timer on the phone. So listen, um, I got a lot to get to today. Today's going to be an interesting show uh, because I've been up all night and I'm, I'm, I'm a little loopy. <laughs> and for the first time in a long time, I actually took a sleeping pill. You know, I'll read you in on my program. Uh, and I woke up here. So just to tell you what's going on, folks, so we're at the opposite of Eastern time. So when it's 6 in the morning there, it's 6 at night here. So I'm trying to stay on Eastern time like Linda and the rest of the Hannity team because all my work, podcasts, and everything's on Eastern mm-hmm. time. So I go to sleep at 8 o'clock in the morning here, which is 8 o'clock at night in Florida. And I'm figuring I can rack out for at least like four or five hours, and I'll be golden. So what happens, of course? Midnight, 12.15, I get up, and I am up up. I mean, up like I had just run a Blair Cullen marathon. This guy's like a triathlete next to me. It's embarrassing. You think I'm all arthritic and falling apart. We get this guy next to me. He's like 4% body fat and he runs marathons and stuff. So I am wired at 12.15. I cannot go back to sleep. And you know, folks, I am Mr. Like anti-pharmaceuticals no matter what. I don't even take Advil for my disgustingly rotting joints. So I'm up, and I'm like, I got this long day. I got to meet producer Joe in the morning. I got all this stuff going on. I got to get some Zs. So I had an Ambien with me. So I pop an Ambien, (laughs) and man, I was out. Out. I mean, like, walking dead, zombie-like, comatose, out. I get up at 5 in the morning, and I bounce over to Fox and Friends over at the... um, JW Marriott here in Hanoi, where we're at. that's where the studio is. That's where Trump's staying too when he gets in. And I'm on with Kilmeade, Hegseth, and uh, and Ainsley Earhart. And Kilmeade's like, "Man, you're awful chipper this morning. No jet lag for you." I'm like, "Nah, brother, I'm good." I'm like, "I closed the blinds." I'm like, "I took an Ambien. I am wired. I'm ready to go MMA style, like UFC 237 main event right now." So as you can tell, I'm a little geeked up. So. All right, let me get into the show. You're probably like, enough of your stories already. Today's show brought to you by... (laughs) A little too chipper today. Brought to you by our buddies at Bravo Company Manufacturing. Hey, you know, I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment. These guys have the best rifles and pistols out there. I was just telling Linda, they were kind enough to send me two samples. Uh, a rifle and a pistol. I picked it up at the local uh, gun shop I go to all the time. And the guy behind the counter, I kid you not, is like, man, you are really lucky to get these. These are really high-quality uh, rifles. I'm not messing with you. That is a true story. The guy at the gun shop listens to the show, so he knows I'm not messing around. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility, and building rifles is no different. Bravo Company Manufacturing was started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago. Bravo Company Manufacturing, or BCM for short, builds a professional-grade product built to combat standards. It's because BCM believes in the same level of protection that should be provided to every American, regardless if they're a private citizen or a professional. This is not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, and manufacture life-saving equipment. BCM assumes that when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. So quality matters to them. Every component of BCM rifles is hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin, to a life-saving standard. Learn more about BCM, Bravo Company Manufacturing. Head over to bravocompanymfg.com. Tell them we sent you. Where you can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. That's bravocompanymfg.com. Need more convincing? Check out their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bravo Company USA. All right, uh, let's get into this here. So, you know, this this 2020 primaries brought out the worst with the left. Uh, we always knew they were radicals, big government socialists. I mean, that's always been just embedded in the genetic code of the Democrat Party. Yeah. But in order to obtain power, they've occasionally tried to moderate and bring it back to the center. We saw that in the second term, Bill Clinton. Uh, you know, he gave the speech, of course, at the State of the Union where he said that you're a big government is over. Uh, you know, so to maintain power, they realize that far left radicalism, big government power, big government power really doesn't work. Well, that's gone out the window. They are following the same model they tried, as I said in a prior podcast earlier in the week, with the 
second term Ronald Reagan, where they sent Walter Mondale up there running on this ridiculous platform. We're going to raise your taxes. And Mondale promptly got absolutely annihilated and smoked. He loses 49 states. So we're seeing that same mistake again. And the reason we're seeing that mistake is the anger at Reagan is the same as the anger at Trump now, where they think that the angrier they get and the more radical they get, the more they're going to appeal to their moneyed people and their volunteers, and they'll be the ones to get the nomination for 2020. I bring this up because I've been getting a ton of emails on this, and I, I've got it. I know we're in Vietnam, and I want to get to some of that too, and I'll give you some of the skinny on the ground. But there's talk now by Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris about reparations. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, it's, this is insane. Now, there's, listen, there's no question that, obviously, human slavery in the United States is a unique stain on our country. That point absolutely stipulated amongst any sane person. We all get that. But reparations for people whose ancestors were slaves in the United States, ladies and gentlemen, this is not justice by definition. Now, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris have just come out now on the record talking about this, about reparations for both uh, uh, black Americans and Native Americans. Now, a couple of questions on this. Number one, before I get to the questions, keep this in mind. The very idea about justice is not that human beings aren't sinners and don't make catastrophic mistakes, like obviously the stain of slavery on our country was. But the idea of justice is that you will be held account to account for your mistakes, not the mistakes of your family, not the mistakes of your ancestors, and in the case of reparations, certainly not the mistakes of your ancestors, ancestors, ancestors. Hmm. I wrote a note here to explain this very simply, Joe. You didn't do this. No. You didn't do this. And I am not, you're not going to insult me, my ethical or moral code. Listen, I'm a sinner like anyone else. I get that. I've said this on the show repeatedly. We all need redemption and saving. All of us. But I am not going to be held account for a stain on human civilization that me and any other sane person is horrified by. Why, why, what am I doing? About, I didn't do this. You didn't do, that is not justice. Justice is not making you pay for the moral crimes and crimes of other people. That is not what justice is. But getting past the moral and ethical dilemma that reparations create by making people pay for the crimes of others, which opens a Pandora's box, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that where does it stop? Where do you go with that? All right. Uh, listen, there were, uh, Joe, I mean, the, the Japanese yeah. were interned in World War II. This was a unique stain on our country, too. The, where does it stop? I mean, there are people who have had land confiscated. There's, it, where does it stop? I, where does this, if you are going to force people to pay for the mistakes of ancestors, 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 they never knew, have no connection to, and they have fully recognized the stain that this was in our country, where does it end? But beyond the moral or ethical dilemma this creates, Folks, there is a real cost to this. And if you are going to run to be the president of the United States, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, and you are going to call for something like reparations, you have a responsibility to lay out exactly how this would work. So I want to hat tip a friend of mine on a listserv, let's just say, an email group, who laid out some questions. And some of them are really good. Lay out how this would work, right? So question number one. Linda's looking at me like, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Just give me that look. Like, a little side eye. I'm like, listen. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, where, which, one, which one? I'm sure you get those two. <laughs> Who gets the money? No, it's a fair question, right? Who gets, what's the criteria? Yeah. Who gets the money and how much? How much? Folks, this is real money. This is real money you are going to have to work for. It will have to be taken out of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Who gets the money? Does it? If you're wealthy, do you get the money? What if you're a Native American and you're worth a million dollars? Do you get $20,000 from a working class, um, say, white uh, uh, coal miner in West Virginia? Ladies and gentlemen, these people are running for president. You have to put some meat on the bone. How is this going to work? You don't get to just make stuff. Oh, reparation, it sounds great. Yes, slavery was horrible. Yes, it was. It was a horrible stain on this country that we teach about so it never happens again. But you don't throw something out there and then just say, oh, yeah, well, who's going to pay for it? I don't know. <laughs> Who pays for it? Even Chewbacca's trying to figure it out. 
Did you hear that? You can hear Joe's. Yes, yeah, I Joe's did. drops. Joe is the word. Linda's laughing. Joe. I'm like what? Joe was is that? the. Yeah. Did you hear Joe? I'm like a car. I, I don't even have to see Joe. I, was I know like, when he's going to like throw some. Excellent impersonation. Yeah, that, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does do good. A little too good. Joe. But you know, I know sometimes. Too, sometimes he throws me off. I don't even realize it's him. How much are they going to get? Twenty thousand? Fifty thousand? Is it de- again? Is it dependent on your income? You're running for president. You have to put some meat on the boat. You can't just say that without laying out exactly how this is going to go down. Question number two. Is the money dependent on what percentage uh, African-American or Native American you are? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is a fair question. What if you take a, a, is there going to be a DNA test? Is it just going to be anybody at any point can say, I mean, think about it. What if you're, uh, you know, if you're from Jamaica or you, you happen to be black, but you have no ties whatsoever, your your ancestors to, you know, this epic stain that was uh, slavery in the United States in our early years. Right, right. Do right. you get reparations? It's a, Joe, is it not a fair question? Yeah, it's one I didn't even think now, of. Is it the, well, these questions are from a, a very smart person on this wow. who thought this through and said, listen, I. Uh, if they're going to debate this, I want to know exactly how it's going to work so we know what we're debating. Again, does it involve a DNA test? Do, I, do you want to give your DNA? Do you have to? If you're 50% Native American and 50% white, is your check less than someone else's? Fair question. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Now, I, I expect some entrepreneurial media type, now that this has been proposed for a major presidential election, will ask these questions. What if your ancestors came here after 1865, where there was no uh, formal slavery after the Civil War? Right? I mean, if the reparations are for the damage done by human slavery, then if you were not, in fact, here before 1865, do you get the same check as someone else? Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, these are questions that have to be asked. This involves real money. For real people that work for it. Are we paying people who are wealthy? Are we only paying people who are poor? How are we measuring it? Are we me- are they taking some kind of a DNA test? Is it just anybody can claim the money anytime? They're fair questions. Just give us an answer so we know. If your policy is anybody who comes in who happens to be black or Native American and says they are and can claim the money, fine, but let's debate that. Another question. If, you're, if you happen to be African American and Native American, how does that work? Do you get? Are you going to get two checks? How does that work? Who's paying that? Finally, and this was a good one. Listen, slavery was a unique stain in our history because mm-hmm. we are a benevolent, good country, and I love this country and everything it stands for. And it was a mistake. But it is not a unique stain in global history. Matter of fact, tragically, human slavery was the, was the rule, was not the exception. If your ancestors happen to be slaves in a different country other than the United States and you came here, are you getting that money too? Ladies and gentlemen, these are real questions. For a really tragic portion of our history that require real answers because you're looking at an entitlement program proposed by people running for president of the United States that you think the Green New Deal was going to cost a lot of money? The check for this would be extraordinary. You have a responsibility to put some meat on the bone and tell us exactly what you're talking about. Now, Kamala Harris has had some real issues um, getting to the the core of what she's talking about. Kamala Harris likes to throw things out there. She was in that CNN, was it her town hall at CNN with Jake Tapper, and she was on the air, and she was talking about getting rid of your private insurance, and she just threw it out there like it was no big deal. Like she was talking about like, you know, hey, let me yeah. go, uh, you know, stop in a local <laughs> bodega for a cup of coffee. Remember that one, Joe? Yeah. She's on here, like, yeah, we're going to just, you know, with health care. Like, you know, we've all got insurance here, right? You have insurance, right? I believe I do. Yeah, I, I think you do. Like, <laughs> I, I know I have insurance, but imagine I'm coming in tomorrow and going, hey, you got to call some government bureaucrat who works for Kamala Harris to get whatever. You're like one of your ribs taken out or something. I don't know what the hell you're doing. Like of all the medical <laughs> procedures, is that even a real medical procedure? Players look at me like, I don't think they do that. They take ribs out. I don't know. I got a floater down there or something. I may have to get that I actually do have to have a surgery. So I have to, uh, you see, look at this. I got this fatty tumor on my arm and it's like, it's crazy. This, the joke on this show, if you ever listen is it becomes like the Dan Bongino medical malady out, right, Joe? Because I'm always complaining. Are you a hypochondriac? No, no, no. I'm just so banged up. Like like everything is going wrong. No, I swear. Like I am just a total train wreck. We're (laughs) both falling to pieces. Right. (laughs) 
Labrador and, retriever. He, he and Jonah, I'm always like complaining about something. The audience, so once in a while, like someone will email me because <laughs> like, I I give them my email, so I read it, and they'll be like, "Dude, enough with your darn medical. We're tired of it. Enough." Of it. But some people, like I get some sympathy for some people. So I love your feedback, though, folks. Don't take it the no, wrong the way. No, the one thing that you will get from people when you talk about all the different things that are wrong with you yeah. is all their solutions. They, yeah. They, they, you yeah. know what? Sometimes it helps, though. They, right? they have a lot of solutions out there. I have the greatest audience show ever. I have I, one quick story, folks. When I had, I have really bad shoulder problems, right? So I, I was complaining one day, and I get an email from this guy, and he's like, listen, I literally wrote the book on stem cells. It's called The Stem Cell Revolution. He's like, I'm a doctor out in L.A., okay. and I can help you. And that dude, Dr. Berman, hooked me up. Those mm. stem cells saved my butt. Now, I've st- I ground it down again because I'm a maniac, and I won't stop doing the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he's like, bro, I- I'm not like a miracle worker. Like, right. I fix your shoulder, and you go out there, and you're getting suplexed by a Russian guy named Boris in your Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, and you're wondering why your shoulder. Like, I can't fix your brain. Like, don't be a moron. So having an audience like that, they did. He did help me. So I'm gonna go back out there and do my shoulder again with my stem cells, which is good. They give you a little lipo in the back. So I told him, Doc, you need a little extra. You know, you could donate that to charity or something. He's like, No, no, I'm good. We got about an ounce or something. I'm like, yeah, take a couple pounds. It's Doesn't all right. That hurt? No, no, they numb you up. So folks, how it works with stem cells? They take a little cannula. They they numb you up in the back with like some lidocaine, and they take out your fat. He centrifuges it. He gets your stem cells. You get an IV and then he injects it right in the joint. And like six weeks later, I, f- I felt like gold. Really? Yeah, listen, I don't know how it works. I'm not a doctor. All I know is my shoulder was rotting to death. And I was I couldn't even sleep at night. And for two years, I've been fine. But now it's hurting again because I keep doing the jujitsu stuff. And Listen, I feel you. I had to pick Blair up off the airport floor. It wasn't pretty. I mean, it wasn't good. Blair's like Jack, though. So, folks, Blair... I work with Linda and Blair, and Blair is like Mr. Ultra Triathlon guy, and he's he's pretty... How old are you, anyway? 40? Yeah, so you're four years younger than me. But I, I remember we had dinner in New York, and I told you, at 40, it all falls apart. So you live in dog years after 40. So when you hit 40, <laughs> yeah. like every year of weightlifting is seven years of accumulated dog years on your body. I tell you, this this podcast is really uplifting. This is the greatest podcast yeah. ever. This is the I, this, I'm loving this. I'm, we, this is like we got four we got four people on this show right now. This is fantastic. I love it. All right, listen. Getting back to this thing where the Democrats never want to talk about cost. Joe, play that cut of uh, Kamala Harris. This is her talking about the costs of the Green New Deal and how basically costs don't really matter at all. No worries, folks. You cast yourself on the campaign trail as a truth seller. You say we need to tell truths. Um, What do you say, or uh, tell me if you think this is fair, that as you talk to Democratic voters, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want ideas. Mm-hmm. And so you'll hear things like the Green New Deal. You'll yeah. hear things like uh, Medicare for All. Uh, you'll hear things like whether it's taxes. You'll hear things. Right. Uh, at what point do you say, that's our North Star, but we have to be realists? We, there's no question we have to be practical. But being practical also recognizes that climate change is an existential threat to us as human beings. Being practical recognizes that greenhouse gas emissions are threatening our, our, our air and it's threatening the planet and that it is well within our capacity as human beings to change our behaviors in a way that we can reduce its effects. That's practical. Can we afford it? Of course we can afford it. Two and a half, three trillion dollars a year for Medicare for all by some studies. I don't, depending on which portions of the Green New Deal you pick to do first, that's money. Uh, that you know what the Republicans are going to say, tax and spend liberals, pie in the sky. One of the things that I admire and respect is the measurement that is captured in three letters, ROI. Mm-hmm. What's the return on the investment? People in the private sector understand this really well. It's not about a cost. It's about an investment. And then the question should be, is it worth the cost in terms of the investment potential? Are we going to get back more than we put in? So when you Mayor invest- Bloomberg, well, Amy Klobuchar... Some of your potential fellow Democrats say, no, it's too much. It's too ambitious. It's too expensive. You think they're wrong. I look forward to that debate on the debate stage. I look forward to it very much. Oh, so do I. Man, do I look forward to that debate. So she said, notice how she just casually glosses over the contradictory language she uses in that in the same soundbite. This is the, this. Remember, I keep I always tell you about Bill Clinton when he used to golf. He'd hit a he'd be golfing with a guy, and then the guy would hit a really bad shot, and then he'd hit a great shot, and Clinton would go oh, same guy. 
<laughs> same guy. So we would take notes in the golf cart. We were bored in the Secret Service about how many times Clinton would say, same guy, same guy. This is the same lady. In one sentence, she says, you know, listen, costs don't really matter. It's about return on investment. What? Listen, I, I went to business. I never, ever... And ever talk about my education because I hate people who do that. Look at me, I've got a business degree. Usually that means you're a moron because you have to tell people how smart you are. But in this case, I only tell you I went to business school, not to like impress anybody, but because like this isn't even like accounting 707. This is like kindergarten 101. Return on investment requires a cost. When was the? Let me give you a simple example for the liberals out there having a really difficult time with this here. Right. Let, let's put this together. Right? Joe, have you ever had an investment advisor? You go to a guy, financial guy. Linda, you got a financial guy. Yeah. Everybody's got a financial guy, right? They all. I, I got a guy. You got a guy. Everybody's got a guy. She's I got just a from guy. Philly. He's Linda. got a guy. We got a guy. Everybody, when you're from Philly, they got a guy for we everything. Got lots Linda, of guys. Yeah, everybody's got a guy. You got a guy, got guy from guy. everything from a, a you know a, a, a hoagie down the block or a oh, sub. Oh, hoagie! Yeah, house, I, I know. Bungino. I'm using a Philly talk. In New York, wow. it's a sub. So just out of it, you know, that's that's an uh, that's an ode to Linda. Very impressive. So everybody's got a guy, but when you go to a guy for an investment like that does the guy ever say to you hey tell you what joe we are going to make this big investment whatever it is i see ge stock is moving today we're going to do it everything is great this is terrific but it's going to cost you nothing have you ever heard that in your life no just, just throw it in. no okay was it not a trick question right no. not setting joe up of course not you have never any investment involves a cost this is oh it's so frustrating i i don't i debate these talking about these topics i mean it because I love my audience to death. Like I respect your time and I don't ever want to waste it on, on like the topic, how the topic stuff. And sometimes I sit there and I, and I wrestle with this. Like, do I even talk about the stupid, how stupid this is? But I feel like if I don't, then you don't know what's going on and you don't have the, 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 the tools to go at it with the left there. She says in one thing, it's about a return on investment, a re an investment return is all about the cost of the investment. Hurdle rates, opportunity costs. You know what a hurdle rate is? Hmm. A hurdle rate in just basic, again, I don't want to talk down. I know a lot of you are very smart. You know what that is. But an investment in, say, whatever, Joe's T-shirt company, if he hmm. wants to get new T-shirts, if Joe can invest in a government bond for, say, 4 or 5% or a secure investment vehicle where he knows he's going to get 4 or 5%, a blue chip uh, bond, Joe is not going to invest in a new T-shirt line that only gets three. Huh. His hurdle right. rate is 5%. Because that's what he can get by investing his money and doing nothing. Does that make sense, Joe? Yeah. Like, these are basic business yeah. concepts that you would think somebody running for president of the United States would have at least a, 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 a secondary or tertiary grasp on. Of course there's a cost. What is wrong with you? That's what a hurdle rate, that's what that is. What's a hurdle rate? What level of, 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 of return do we need on our cost, our money, our inputs to make this investment? She glosses over this completely, and then she talks about ROI, and when the guy mentions it's going to be $3 trillion for Medicare, she goes, well, the return on investment. What return on investment? What is she doing? Folks, listen. I get a lot of people like... <laughs> I, get, I get a lot of... They like your drops here. I get a lot of people, you know, love Medicare. That's fine. And I understand you planned your life around it, and I've said many times... I know I'm going to get a ton of emails on this. I get it. I have a grandmother on Medicare. You did not ask for the program. The government took your money. And if you are 55 and older, we have an obligation because we basically have screwed you over to take care of you. I get that. I get it. Mm -hmm. the, it's, a, it's a bro. But here's the thing. Understanding that. Period. Full stop. The program is broke. There's no money. Listen to me. There's no money. There is no money. Do you understand it reminds me of like, what was it, um, Rocky Five, where he gives power of attorney to the lawyer and Adrian's like, there's no money. There's no money, Rock. There's no, there's no money. <laughs> the return on investment on Medicare was like negative 65,000. You put in money. It was not enough. I'm not blaming you. Please, if you're a senior, I am not blaming you. I'm not advocating for taking anything away from you. You guys and ladies out there served, you served in World War II, and these, you, your government made you promises, and we are the government, it's ours, and it screwed you over. We have an obligation to take care of you. But after that, it's over. There's no money. Return on investment, the pro Medicare is broke. It is bankrupt. Social Security is bankrupt. It is full of a bunch 
of IOUs, where the government took its own money and left itself an IOU. It basically took money from its right pocket, spent it, and put in its left pocket a note that says, I owe myself trillions of dollars. There's no money, folks. The program is bankrupt. Independent, non-political actuaries who look at Social Security and Medicare know there's no money. There is no money. We have to accept that if we're going to fix the problem. I understand I'm going to get emails. It's, it's cool. Like, that's why I leave uh, email away. I read them. I love them. Some of you are going to, like, go nuclear at me. That's cool, too, because every time I talk about this, it's fine. I, I appreciate your feedback, even the negative stuff. I just want you to accept two points. Yes, you were screwed over, and yes, we should take care of you. Point number two, there is no money. And pretending and papering over that fact and pretending it doesn't exist is doing nobody any favors at all. And that's, this is exactly what Harris just did. Kamala Harris said, well, you know, the, the, uh, I think that was CNN. Oh, forgive me, I don't remember who exactly was doing the interview. But finally, some journalism, right? I mean, we never see this, right? And the, the uh, reporter there asks, well, this Medicare for All component alone of the Green New Deal is going to be $3 trillion a year. Folks, you understand our entire federal budget is $4 trillion? And we're running trillion-dollar deficits by year? You're talking about doubling the amount of, of, of money we're spending per year backed by tax revenue. Do you, you understand what that means, right? Mm. Doubling means that we're required to double your taxes to pay for it now, and we're still in debt. I'm just asking you to be mathematically honest with yourselves. There is no money. It's not going to happen. It's the, it's the fetch from Mean Girls. Fetch is not going to happen. Regina George, Gretchen tried to make fetch happen forever. Fetch is not going to happen. It's not. This is the one time Regina George is right. Fetch, do you know what they should have thrown in Mean Girls? The, the Green New Deal. I would love to go back to Mean Girls 2 and insert that dubbed in there. The Green New Deal is not going to happen, Gretchen. Just like Fetch. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. Dude, we need that cut. I got to get that. Yeah, we're going to have to get that. I'll, I'll look up. That. I'll get it. I, I know I've said it so many times. You know what's going to happen? We'll get ten thousand. You don't don't even bother because I know you'll get so <laughs> exactly. many emails today about it. Right? Every time, like the Milton Friedman one. You know who you are, that guy in my mm -hmm. audience. I said, Joe, we need the Milton Friedman thing. The next day, boom, like clockwork was in there. All right, uh, I got a lot more to get. Through. So today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. You know I'm a big fan of Brickhouse. I actually brought some foundation with me. It is the finest, finest nutrition supplement out there. I've had Brickhouse with me from the beginning. Now, here's the thing with foundation. A lot of you have taken creatine before, but have you taken a creatine ATP blend? It's like having two extra gas tanks in the gym. Creatine is like having one extra gas tank. You know, like you have that Jeep and you have a little gas on the back. Creatine plus ATP is like having two extra gas tanks in the gym. Now, you may say to yourself, ah, I'm not sure that stuff works. Listen, all I ask is you take the Dan Bongino mirror test, right? That's how well this stuff works. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation. Give it about seven days to load. That's the way creatine works. Your body, it's perfectly natural. It's in steak and meat. It's a natural compound. But this creatine, give it about seven days to load in your body. Take like a little mental snapshot of what you look like in the mirror, and then seven days later, look again. You're going to be like, damn, damn, Like, what just happened? It's the real deal, man. This stuff is awesome. Right, Joe? Yeah. Now, little Joe... Joe's son loves it, right? Yeah, Little man. Joe, when Works. I met little Joe, was like a string bean. He was like 90 pounds with 75 pounds of sand strapped mm -hmm. to his back. Now he's like a monster. Guy looks like a, a pro bodybuilder. He looks like Jay Cutler right now. It and does. he takes foundation. My nephew drove up from Fort Lauderdale because he wanted an extra bottle. I was like, dude, I'm sorry, man. I'm running out of stuff. So, But foundation, go check it out. It is the real deal. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. You will not regret it. Send me your reviews because I love reading them, and I send them on to Miles, who's the president of the company. He loves them. He digs them. Sometimes they put some of the reviews, with your permission, of course, on the website because they're that good. The stuff is the real deal, so check it out. All right, what else do I got today? Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is one of those stories I... I always debate, do I get to this last? Because there's potential here for me to go on a rant that could last forever, and I always like to keep the show in under an hour. But So let me just get to this one now, because this is good. I was going to hold it to the end, but it could go on so long, I might melt the microphone cord. So here we go. Adam Schiff, you know my buddy, sleazeball, uh, slime bag, shifty Schiff. Uh, one of the most dangerous. Yeah, Shifty. But, you know, this guy is just a captain of the sleaze brigade. He keeps on, you know, he will not let collusion go. He just... 
I mean, he knows it's a joke. He knows it's a hoax. It's a farce. It's a scam. Um, Schiff's not dumb, uh, but he keeps going on and on and on with this hoax. Now, I, I did an appearance on Fox and Friends yesterday in the morning, and, I was, and Schiff came up. And I brought up the fact that, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Schiff has his own collusion problems that are not a hoax. The Russian collusion thing, if you're a regular listener to my show, you know it's a total scam. It's a, it's a fairy tale. It's made up. It's an Aesop's fable. It's, it's, it's garbage, right? Mm. Now, the collusion with Adam Schiff, though, is real. It's legit. Now, I want to play. This is a, now I got Lindy here. and they, Sean uses this all the time, this cut. But this is, a, this is a real call. It's not a joke, by the way. Adam Schiff a while ago, was this about a year ago, you think, Linda? This yeah. Russia thing? You guys have been using this a lot. I mean, I love it. It's the greatest cut ever. It's the funniest thing There's ever. Some of you may not have heard, but even if you have, this is worth another. I'm gonna pay, it's about eight minutes, so I'm only going to play like a minute, but I'm going to play the best minute of all. Olga Buzla. A little shout out to Olga. <laughs> Olga Buzla. What kind, Olga. Of, what kind of idiot gets caught by Olga Buzova? Like, you didn't notice something was wrong there? <laughs> oh, that... Really, like I could say it's a family-friendly show. I was going to say something, but I realized I, someone did this to me once when I was um, when I was on the TS, the telephone switchboard. I was a young cop, and, you know, they'd mess with you. Oh. So a guy calls, and let's just say, like, they're like, I'm looking for a police officer, Haywood. Yeah, if most of you who know the joke know what the last name was. I can't say it because kids listen to the show. Yeah. But let's just say when you went over the PA and said, I'm looking for Haywood, you do this to me. Um, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Now, how... I didn't catch on back then, but I'm pretty sure if a Russian called me and said that they had evidence of Donald Trump engaging in activities, let's say, with Olga Buzova, I would ask a question like, Olga Buzova, can this possibly be real? So this is Schiff getting prank called. He doesn't know it's a prank. He thinks this is legit by two Russian hoaxers and actively trying to engage. He thinks these are real Russians to collude to get dirt on Donald Trump. Play that cut. Hi. All right. I'm going to put Mr. Schiff on the phone, and then I guess are you going to transfer him to Mr. Parubi? Yes, of course. Great. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Hello, Mr. Schiff. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, Chairman. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you. I know that you work for investigation regarding Trump and Russian government. Yes. We know some important information about that. Uh, and that, uh, that uh, is documented as well in materials you want to provide to us? Yes. Could I explain you where we are? Yes, of course. But, you know, again, I would just caution that uh, uh, our Russian friends may be listening to the conversation, so I wouldn't share anything over the phone that you don't want them to hear. No, I don't think that it will impact on our investigation. Yes. Well, well, please go ahead then. In November 2013, Mr. Trump visited Moscow. He visited a competition in Miss Universe, and there he met with Russian journalist and celebrity Ksenia Sobchak. Uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, can you explain that again? While he was in Moscow in November 2013, he met with a, a journalist and, and... Well, she's poor journalist. But anyway, uh, she became famous because of uh, Putin is her godfather. Okay, Putin's godfather. Okay. She also known as a person who provides uh, uh, girls for escort for oligarchs, and she met with Trump, and she brought him one-hour Russian girl celebrity Olga Buzova, who also known as a person <laughs> with a strange reputation. Olga, and and how do you spell her name? Olga Buzova. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of an idiot? The best part is he says that. He spells her name, and he goes Olga Buzova. <laughs> taken by that Olga Buz at least produce like a at least when they did like the Papadopoulos setup yeah. the Russian they bring was Olga Vinogradova like that was a name that made more so Olga Vinogradova Olga Buzova and this numbskull like didn't get and I love that one part yeah he's poor she's poor journalist she's like, like he knows <laughs> it feeding into like the whole like fake news like you think this guy would catch on she's, she's poor journalist and she bring one hour Russian girl Olga Buzova and and I love the point I love the way he like these Russian pranksters, I don't know who these guys are, but he goes, and uh, let's just say she has a poor reputation, and this <laughs> idiot, like, never catches on at all. This thing goes on, by the way, folks, for eight minutes. So this is this is Schiff. He's, keep in mind, he thinks he's actively colluding with real Russians. He doesn't realize he's getting smoked up here the whole time. Now, that's old news. I just played that for a little comic relief to show you what a sleazeball Schiff is. But the newer news on this is there's a great piece in the Washington Examiner today. I have up in the show notes at Bongino.com. Please read them. The articles are really good today, including one by Matt Palumbo at Bongino.com that's crushing it right now. Uh, what is what was I going to Oh, yeah, the one question to ask socialists. So hopefully I'll get to that in a minute. But check out the show notes. 
there's an article in the Examiner that Schiff has a real problem here, folks. He met at this Aspen conference out in Colorado while the whole hearing was going on. Mm. He met with Glenn Simpson. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big deal. I said it on Fox and Friends yesterday morning that you have to understand Simpson is the producer at Fusion GPS of this entire dirty dossier that's used the entire time to spy on the Trump team and filters its way into the FISA court as as a weaponized document, political document, to spy on the Trump team. He met with him at this conference. Now, you know, his shifts people... I'm not even going to say in his defense because he said you can't believe anything coming out of their people's mouths. They're such slime bags. But they're saying, oh, well, it was just a casual meet. You, this is like everything with – you ever notice like everything with them is always, oh, it was just a mistake. Remember like Loretta Lynch on the tarmac <laughs> with Clinton? Like, oh, it was just a mistake. Meaning like th- – this is why like Joe and I barely ever leave the house. Because if you're a Republican and this, quote, mistake happens, right, you're done. <laughs> can you Can you imagine – like sitting there one day and like, you know, me and Sean Hannity were meeting with someone who produced an oppo <laughs> thing on Obama that was used to spy on the Obama team. Oh, my God. That picture would be on the front page of every newspaper. But because Adam Schiff did it, he gets a complete get out of jail free card. Folks, this guy is a slime bag. He needs to get off that committee. He's the chairman now. He should have no oversight role in this whatsoever, and he needs to recuse himself until he can fully explain and account for why he was meeting with the person who produced the dossier used to spy on Trump that he's investigating. This guy has already colluded and attempted to collude with Russians. I just played for you the tape. No one's denying, by the way, that he met with Glenn Simpson. No one's denying that happened. That actually happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he said when he met with him, it was just casual, casual chat. Casual, like you didn't real. It's casual. Don't believe this, do you? Well, of course. It's uh, Adam uh, Schiff. Geez. Very, very. I mean, you know, he's wearing his salmon pants on the golf course. You know what's uh, you know what's scary with, with your Philly accent <laughs> is I am so out of New York. Like I've been out of New York See, for almost twenty years. It's not a Philly accent. That's the problem. It's that if I were to hear that now, I'm I've lost my New York edge. I would think it was a New York accent. It is a New York accent. Basically, my accent is um, it's it, it's a bastardized version of, of both. It's like because it's like they're married and they hate each other and they can't get divorced. It's like York Adelphia trapped in my mouth, you know, in a vicious way. This Philly. Because sometimes York when war. I'm listening to Hannity and you you turn your mic on on the radio show. Oh. Mm. I'm like, gosh, she's such a New Yorker. But I'm thinking, I know you're not from New York. It's like well, a Philly the problem thing. is, I've been in New York for so long. So, how pro- long have you been in New York? Fifteen years. So the really? issue mm. is, the issue is, is that I have this New York accent, but then you say hoagie or phone or home, and I have that weird O thing that only people in Philadelphia. That's have. a Philly oh, thing. It's only that's a, a Baltimore thing. thing. Let me too. ask you something hey, about huh? yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore, right, Joe? Yeah, you can't hey. even say Baltimore. There's uh-huh. no T. There is no T amongst Native Marylanders. It's Balmer, Balmer, B A L M E R, right? Balmer, yeah. right? As soon as Linda said that, I it went bing, bing, bing. I got it. Ew, hon. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> when in Philly, does that Rocky statue drive them crazy? No, we're obsessed with it. Is it? Rocky is my, <laughs> my hero. My brother just went Rocky to the museum. Hero. It's the art museum, right? Yeah, it's a Philadelphia And museum I noticed instead of keeping it at the top, it, a couple of years ago, they moved it down to the bottom. And someone said to me, because the art museum, Hates it that the fact that it's this prestigious art museum and all everybody cares about is the Rockies. Yeah, well, they, know, they need to get over it, all yeah, right? I, because everything that happens in Philly happens because of that statue. That statue. Everybody right? goes there. As somebody who comes from nothing from Philly, I'm telling you right now, the streets of Kensington and South Philly. I was just there a couple weekends yeah. ago. It's the it's the best thing ever. They have like row homes, like oh, they have in the Rocky like, movies. Hello, now. I'm from a row home. Really? Of course. <laughs> I used to live above a bar on Myrtle there Avenue. There you go. Yeah, Keep it real, trade, folks. Right? Keep it classy. Keep it real. Remember that Chris Rock segment? Keep it real. <laughs> I can't play that on this show. Oh, no. God, no. We'll no, be no. thrown off the that's air. Not, that's not kid friendly. Keep it real. Oh, that thing was great. Oh, where do I go now? <laughs> I've got two stories, three stories here to go, and I've only got like 20-something minutes. So let me hit this one. First, let's go to Alexandria Casio Cortez. I know, oh, I know, God. I know. Even Linda's. I know. I, I the fifty fifty to feedback. I'm just telling you the reason. Can we reason, just call her Cortez? She doesn't deserve to have her whole name. Uh, it's she's become a total train wreck, and I think the Democrats are getting rid. Now she's attacking Feinstein of all, like Feinstein, like another far left liberal from California because of that interaction Feinstein had with these kids, where apparently she wasn't uh, Senator Feinstein wasn't accommodating enough to a bunch of kids yeah. who showed up asked about the Green New Deal, but. 
there's a deeper, there's, there's a problem with Ocasio-Cortez. I, we've already shown that she doesn't really know much about economics and other stuff. And as I've said, and I think I've been fair, I ran for office, almost won, almost won, doesn't matter. Um, I lost, she won her race. Great, congratulations. But I, now you, actually, you have to actually know stuff. She doesn't know stuff. So she came out, I have this uh, story up from the Daily Wire up today. Um, here's a quote. She was doing one of these, you know, Ocasio-Cortez, like my story things, whatever, on Instagram or Facebook Live. I don't know what she was doing. And she said, quote, our planet is going to hit disaster if we don't turn this ship around. And so it's basically like, uh, this is a direct quote. I'm not adding likes. <laughs> and so it's basically like there's a scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. Uh, no, there is no scientific consensus on that at all. And the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because, folks, this has been done before. And when I say done before, I mean the apocalyptic naysayers. This is the oldest thing in the book since, like, Nostradamus. Now, if, if you're familiar with the work of Malthus or, or Paul Ehrlich, the population bomb guy, do you understand, like, people, frauds like uh, Representative Cortez, have for decades, if not centuries now, been saying, oh, humankind is coming to an end. Humankind is coming to yeah. an end. There is no evidence of that at all. Global, when you look at the global population, the percentage of people working for a dollar a day or less, that's gone down dramatically. When you look at the, 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 the death from disease in the world, it's gone down dramatically. When you look at the people starving to death, that's gone down dramatically. When you look at countries around the world, GDP, per capita GDP, it's gone up dramatically. There is no evidence, facts, or data whatsoever to support the assertion that the lives of your children are going to be worse than they are now. We have technological revolutions on the horizon, whether it's deep learning AI, whether it's material science, 3D printing, whether it's breakthroughs in Alzheimer's and cancer's research. We just saw that report from Israel where there may be some breakthrough on cancer. We'll see. You know, I'm always kind of skeptical. But there is no evidence at all that that is true. She is becoming another Malthus. Now, Malthus, Malthus is the original human population uh, is going to cause everybody to starve and we're all going to die, guy. They're, matter of fact, they even have a name. They're called mm. Malthusians. Now, that was taken on by Paul Ehrlich in a book he wrote decades ago called The Population Bomb. And the, I, I don't want to bore you to death, but this is important because this is just Ocasio-Cortez is doing the same thing they did. The mistake here is that the human population is going to grow geometrically, while the food supply is only going to grow arithmetically. It, it basically means like the human population is going to grow like a, by factors of 10, and, and the, while the food supply will only double. So we'll outstrip our food supply and we're all going to starve. Ladies and gentlemen, none of that has happened. Right. None of that. Matter of fact, the biggest problem in the United States with food, Joe, is what? <laughs> Obesity. Yeah. It's too much. It's not too little food. And it's because these naysayers, Malthus and Ehrlich, there's two things they missed on this. They never took into account that human ingenuity was going to find a way to decrease the amount of land and increase the amount of crops through total factor productivity. We don't even farm in as much land as we used to when the human population was half of what it was, and we're all eating too much and dying from it. That's because right. we figured out ways through farm management, watering, seed technology, to feed everybody so much that we're dying of eating too much. Secondly, what these idiots didn't figure out is that there eventually there's an asymptote. You eventually are going to reach in human population a point where people become so wealthy where you don't need to have nine kids because three of them are going to die because the medical technology isn't good. You're going to need them to you, you farm on your farm. Human beings don't need that anymore. I love children. I have two of my own. But human beings now are not basically just labor units for people living on farms. Your kids are your kids. You can have them because you want to, not because you need them to survive. If you lived in an ag society 200 years ago and didn't have any kids and you reached 50 and your, your spouse died, you were dead. You were on your own. That was it. It was over, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. That was it. You were done. That is not what's happening anymore. And Ocasio-Cortez is playing into this same Malthusian discredited Paul Ehrlich, garbage nonsense that the planet can't handle this. We're all going to starve. Everybody's going to die. The ground can't take it. The sky can't take it. Everything's going to be... Remember, dude, oh, dude, we need this cut, too. <laughs> Somebody, please, out there, I'd love my audience. Send me the Ghostbusters cut. I know you have... It's raining. The dogs and cats are... Remember that thing <laughs> where he's losing it in front of the guy when it's the end of the world? 
dogs and cats are going to be friends or whatever he's talking about. The end of, that's the greatest. I know I always get them wrong. My pop culture stuff is terrible. But this has been done before. We've been down this road. Paul Ehrlich and Malthus are completely discredited. There is no evidence what she's saying is true, that the planet is somehow incapable of handling the population we have now. Zero. Like less than zero evidence. It is all crap. She's making it up and she's embarrassing herself again. Whew. Woo! Deep breaths. I get a little upset. Yeah. Did you I know. hear she got a new apartment? Did she? Was it was it expensive? Yeah, that's where I thought you were going with all this. No, what apartment? Well, I would think if you were going green, you would take up a smaller footprint. What but, did she uh, get? Nice she, luxury joint? She got a little two bedroom, staying in her quote unquote hood. Where in New York? In in the Bronx. And uh she uh she got this two bedroom her and her quote unquote beau. A beau. I don't oh, know who cool. calls their boyfriend a beau, but she Is that a new thing? Is that for the kids? I don't know. Mm, kids yeah. today. Yeah. Anywho, all that to say, she she got this apartment and she did an Instagram from it and like all I guess people are doing like the reconnaissance now and they're going to like where she has her address and nobody sees it. <laughs> like who is she? We don't know who this woman is. She right. lives here. So then they're like, she's like, I moved, okay, and like I don't have to like publish my address because people are trying to kill me because they want to kill the Democrats. Is it is it a playhouse? Like when like, you see it, is I think it nice? it's just like I mean, listen, when you go from a one bedroom to a two bedroom in New York, everybody knows it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Gosh. a really big deal. So she's clearly paying more money, and I think she should just give that money back to her poor neighbors. <laughs> no, no, because that's her money. No, no, it's not her money. It's we all share money, right? She's a socialist. Oh, it, share well, her money. Look, but she, the, the funny thing is, I covered on yesterday's show that when it comes to the taxpayers paying her staff, she's like, "I'm going to pay them fifty-two thousand a year. Everybody, I'm going to redistribute everybody's income," uh-huh. which is ironic because think about it, right? You've been doing this what fifteen years? You said, mm-hmm. "Have you really been in this business that it's long?" Scary. But put yourself in her staff shoes, right? That's a real nice thing to say when you're paying with taxpayer money, right? But it's not her money. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel if you're a staffer on AOC staff and you've been at this 15, 20 years working mm-hmm. your butt off, you've been on ledge committees, finally, you're some chief of staff or whatever, and you're getting paid like a, 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 someone who just came out of the internship? I mean, come on, listen. Horrible. Go, that, I, I don't know, but what was your starting salary? I remember oh, what mine was. $23,800. So I don't remember. It was 23000 so I don't know if it was eight hundred, but it was 23000 And I got checks from the MYPD, and I think we got paid... Every two weeks, I'm trying to do, and I think my check was like $580 totally. every two weeks. Mm. And I lived in a $300 a month apartment, could barely pay the bills. My apartment was, uh, it started out at $750, went up to $1,000 a month, ate Rice Krispies every day. Oh, man. It was not, really? dude, like legit. Like, you don't legit. live in New York anymore, though. You bounced. I right? just moved. Yeah. I just moved. We can't give it. Because unlike Ocasio-Cortez, I can't tell you when they give an academy right. show, these liberals will come uh, they'll, hunt they'll you come down. kill me. They're like legit dangerous. The they lips. are. All right, what else am I going to Oh, oh, this story. I said this before. I don't want to blow it. It's our own website, right? But I got to promote our own stuff. So my buddy, Matt Palumbo, who is the resident uh, fact checker. <laughs> One more thing about Matt. So Matt, this uh, lunatic, Seth Abramson on Twitter, who's losing his mind now that the collusion fairy tale's falling apart. <laughs> this guy is allegedly some professor somewhere. Yeah, Joe, no, I bring him up a lot. Yeah. But uh, he went after us on Twitter. He's like, buy these books about the Russia hoax. And they're all liberal books that are all like Fire and Fury or whatever and other books. And he's like, and don't buy these books, Greg Jarrett and Dan Bongino. And, and he says, these books are full of misinformation. So he gets ratioed to death. on Like people uh, just destroy him on Twitter. And they're like, you realize Bongino footnoted it with left-leaning sources, right? Like the New York Times. Just read the book, folks. Just look, don't eat. Matter of fact, don't even read the book. Just go to the footnotes. It's all CNN, New York Times, Washington. We did that intentionally because we knew lunatics like Seth Abramson would try to discredit the book later. Now, keep in mind, he's never read the book. I bring that up in in, in terms of uh, Matt and some of his writing because I, I DM Matt and I'm like, Matt, I, I, I was, I'm in Vietnam. I got so much going on right now. I'm like, I don't have time to go after this lunatic today, but you know, I like a good Twitter fight. So I'm, I had to outsource my my uh, my trolling. So I said, Matt, just go after this maniac. <laughs> so he, of course, he posts to Abramson. He's like, please show us where the misinformation. Just one, I'll take just one thing. Just give us one page of where we're wrong. And, of course, utter, complete, total crickets, radio sounds, because he doesn't have anything. So Matt's good at that. He's like the resident fact checker. So he did this piece. Uh, it's a really good one, by the way. It is the, you know, let me pull it up on my phone. The internet service here is killer, by the way. It's so good. It's better than my house sometimes. So the piece is under our debunk this section at the website, uh, Bongino.com. And it's titled, This One Question Turns Socialists into Capitalists. And it's great. So he lays it out. Obviously, the question is, are you willing to pay for this? Or are you willing to pay more yourself for these programs? So he gives the two programs that are really popular right now amongst these liberals and stuff. One of them being Medicare for All. And, of course, this thing polls 
70% amongst these liberals that support this Medicare for all, or 70%, excuse me, among just general folks that all support Medicare for all. But when you ask people if they support Medicare for all and you include the price and the tax cuts, all of a sudden support drops dramatically. Only 34% still favored Medicare for all. So this, again, this goes back to, I'm kind of wrapping up the show. This will be the last segment here. Tying it into the beginning when we talked about everything from the reparations to Kamala Harris's support of the Green New Deal, how everybody likes to talk about what they're willing to give away, but they never like to talk about where the money's going to come from. You know, Milton Friedman, one of the greatest lines ever, he said, you know, the big joke about government spending is you think your neighbor's paying for it, but your neighbor thinks the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you think your neighbor's, but your neighbor thinks you're, you're all, pay- it's you, like, dude, you're paying for it. So it's funny with this Medicare for all that when you t- we pin people down and you tell them the taxes it's going to it's going to cost basically a doubling of your tax load now all of a sudden it, uh, support gets cut in half and Matt has all these citations in there. Now here's another one: paid family leave. This is a popular one now. Things you know, uh, limousine liberals like Bernie Sanders. We've been absolutely crushing on Twitter. That video clip we did on Friday's show. Mm-hmm. With, no video this week because we're in Vietnam, but uh, we'll be back next week on video. Joe, the video clip we put up just destroying Bernie Sanders and his three homes. Oh, yeah. That thing is at like 700,000 views on Twitter right now. <laughs> so that Bernie, he's a total fraud. So Bernie likes to talk about every other major country in the world as family leave. Yeah, and they're all broke, but he doesn't mention that either. So this is another one of those things that when you actually cite people the cost, he never mentions the cost of paid family leave. Here's Matt. He says, and if he, if he never mentions the cost of a program, he, he could have success in advancing it. That's what they do. But according to the Washington Times, support falls even more drastically than for Medicare for all once the cost of paid family leave is included. At $450 a year in higher taxes every year, the mi- minimum price, folks, we're being generous here because we're not liberals and we don't exaggerate. The minimum price for a small-scale federal program Fewer than half of Americans would support paid family leave when they find out even at the low end how much it would cost. Actual costs would likely run much higher. The Heritage Foundation estimates that a 12-week leave program with Benny's equal to 45% of pay would cost the typical household $570 in taxes a year for full wage benefits the cost soars to $1,300. When everybody, when you, when you, yeah, that's right. That's big dough. That's a big dough. You know, we don't all have Bernie Sanders' money yeah. in his three houses and his lake house. Bernie, when you finally include that, the Cato Institute found that even less people support it, only 21%. Remember, Bernie, you know, it, we don't all have your lake home, your Burlington, Vermont home, and your row home in D.C. Someone told me he drives like a nice fancy car, too. The guy's a complete fraud. He doesn't want to tell you what it costs because he's messing with you because he's a big-time socialist who just wants— and, and don't don't let this guy off the hook. Do not let this guy off the hook one bit, ladies and gentlemen. This guy, uh, regarding socialism, he's now trying to run away a little bit from what's happening with Maduro in Venezuela now that the shots have been fired by these maniac socialists down there in this yeah. Venezuelan regime. Do not let any of these clowns off the hook. You supported socialism. You own it. You're an accomplice to its death and destruction. Tattoo it on their foreheads. Do not let them escape this at all. Oh, that's a different kind of socialism. No, it's the real socialism, the bullets kind. That's the only socialism out there. You mutts. Don't let them get away from it at all. It's true. Don't you, t- tattoo it on them. They supported socialism. They need to own it. Whew. Not bad for 1048 p.m. Vietnam time. P.m., right? All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show. We really appreciate it. If you do that, it helps us move up the charts. If you go to iTunes, you can click the subscribe button. It is free. You can also go to iHeartRadio. If you have an Android or other phone, click the follow button. And you can always listen at Bongino.com, managed by the tremendous staff and Paula who knock it out of the park. So uh, good job on that. And uh, I will see you all tomorrow. I w- eventually, by the way, I'm going to get to some updates um, on Vietnam, but uh, the president uh, is just getting in, so we don't really have any breaking news yet. So uh, I'll get to that, though, I promise. I'll give you some status on the ground here, too. All right, I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks a lot. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.